Welcome to Indo Battery, where I share about my endometriosis and adenomyosis story and continue learning along the way. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice or diagnosis, but a place to equip you with information and a sense of community, ensuring you never have to face this journey alone. Join me as I navigate the ups and downs and share stories of strength, resilience, and hope while navigating the world of endometriosis and adenomyosis from personal experience to expert insights. I'm your host, Alana, and this is Endobattery, charging our lives when endometriosis drains us. Welcome back to Endobattery. Grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and join my guest, Natalie, and I at the table. Natalie is an advocate where she runs her Instagram page, Endosipota, as well as her new publication, The Chronic RBF. Thank you, Natalie, so much for joining me today. And I am excited to share your story. You have recently just inundated the internet with questions and from your post, people are asking a bunch of questions. But I think to understand where you are, can we go back to where you started? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on Endo Battery, which is like one of the most amazing podcasts for endo, newly diagnosed, um, post-excision, wherever you are. Thank (laughs) you. In the process. I would say that I started experiencing symptoms in high school and not in the same way that everybody else uh, talks about it. And and that's kind of the theme of my diagnosis, my symptoms, and even my excision surgery. A lot of it wasn't what you would normally find. <laughs> so I would say as soon as I started my period, my periods were very painful. Mm-hmm. And they got worse over time, just excruciatingly debilitating. And I remember specifically just, I would fill the hot tub in our apartment with boiling hot water. Because if you're from Brooklyn, New York, you know that the hot tap here is literally like fueled by lava. Like it's coming out of <laughs> coming out of, of a volcano because it's you will burn your flesh off. I used to fill the tub with like after a day of school or just like if, if I had my period or was cramping, I'd fill it up with this boiling water and I would just submerge myself in it. And I remember my my mother who is somebody who has always been very healthy and never really had pain issues. Like her periods, she always talked about were just like painless. Her pregnancies were wonderful and amazing. And, you know, giving birth was great. (laughs) She recovered pretty quickly from it. So she had like nothing to compare it to, but it it would bother her to see me in pain. And I, and they'd be like, you can't soak in this hot water. And I'm like, you don't understand. I took eight Advil's today. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. That was one thing that I did in high school. And another thing I would do is it was to the point where my little sister, who's seven years younger than me, and nobody should be doing this, but she already knew to put boiling water on the stove for me so that I could put it in Ziploc bags and put the Ziploc back on my abdomen. And they never tore. That is crazy. <laughs> but I was ready to risk. No, seriously, like, I don't know what Ziploc proprietary technology they have there, but <laughs> I would put boiling hot water in Ziploc bags and they wouldn't burst and they, and I would put it skin to skin. I don't have the toasted skin condition where like I damage my skin, but I'm, I'm shocked that I, that I didn't have like blisters or anything like that. Cause it was just ridiculous what I was doing. I would just have extremely heavy periods. Like I was always constantly worried that I was going to leak through my pants, my clothes at school. 
And back in the day, for younger listeners, we didn't have the technology that you do now. Nope, sure didn't. <laughs> where you have these, where you have these like paper thin pads that can absorb like ten gallons of blood. I used to wear the big, thick like hospital diaper ones to yeah. school, which was like so embarrassing. You could like hear it as you walked, and it was uncomfortable. And ugh. and especially if you had to double up on days, oh, I, that yes. was the worst was the double up days where you felt like you're like I was a big booty Judy. And so I always had extra cushion in my tushion. And so putting two pads on made me feel even more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, no. and then, right. Because at the time, super tight jeans were in like so tight that you could barely walk in them. So and I also had a giant butt, which the Kardashians weren't around yet. So no, I just felt fat. <laughs> yeah. And like, I had these big thick thighs. I was also a fellow big booty Judy. Yeah. So yeah, it was like swamp, swamp in the summer. It was terrible. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. So we didn't have like the tight, tight jeans yet. We had okay. the jinkos yeah. and things <laughs> like that, you know, where it's like the pockets were large. But then as I got older into like later high school, early college, it, that's when it started really getting, you know, squeeze the life out of you skinny. So I get, I get yes. that. Yeah. And so, so those, I would say those are some of my first symptoms and exhaustion. I had mm-hmm. horrific, horrendous exhaustion. Like yes. I just couldn't get out of bed in the morning and I thought that it was like discipline and something's wrong with me and I don't care, blah, blah, blah. But it was none of that. It was, nobody tells you, even when you get diagnosed that fatigue is a huge symptom of endometriosis. Yes. So I moved out when I was 18 and uh, I lost my health insurance because at the time there was no Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. So I was insurance-less. It was also, (laughs) I started college in 2007 and, you know, um, the recession came right after. Right. (laughs) It's not like I could get a job that would give me benefits. And I, and also I just, I was a kid, right? I didn't have the skill set to get like a real job. Quote right. unquote, quotation marks. All jobs are real jobs. <laughs> right. And college was rough. College was rough because at that time, just period week was the worst. That was the worst week of the month. And then the week after recovering from the pain was was pretty awful. And I was just relentless. So when I was 20 years old, when I should have been finishing college, which I didn't, I didn't graduate until I was 24 because I couldn't afford some semesters. I was on my own. I was paying it for myself. Mm-hmm. I started experiencing pain all the time. And then the Affordable Care Act kicked in and I was able to get back on my mom's insurance. Mm-hmm. And so I had moved in with my high school sweetheart. We're not together, but at the time <laughs> um, I moved in with him and we, I became sexually active and mm-hmm. I was like, well, the responsible thing to do is to go see a gynecologist and maybe I'll ask them about this pain. So I go, my first gynecological visit was awful. When I told her why I was there, because I became sexually active, she reprimanded me, told me that I was crazy, told me I was going to ruin my life, prescribed birth control immediately. And when she did my vaginal examination, she didn't tell me that she was going to also check rectally. So really awful experience. And she just told me that the pain was normal, but that I should be more concerned about getting pregnant and ruining my life. So it took me a long time before I went to another gynecologist. No wonder. And <laughs> and at this time, my my symptoms started being, okay, so now I, I don't only have pain period week, but a few days before my period, I'm in a lot of pain. 
the week after I'm feeling this tinge of pain abdominally and I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I feel like I run a marathon every day and I just have no idea why. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much I work out and how healthy I eat, I just don't feel better. Right. And healthy quotation marks. Right. Right. What what it really was, was I was just restrictive eating because that's, I was following diet culture fads. So then I was like, no, I need to get an answer for this pain. So I see another gynecologist. She, she just tells me it's normal, right? If you have pain, it's normal. If you're bleeding a lot, it's normal. Okay, fine. The pain's getting worse. I'm bleeding a lot. I'm fainting now. I'm starting to deal with constipation in a way that was bizarre to me just because I'm like, uh, I only drink water. That's my favorite drink. I love my, fr- my fruits and veggies. I was eating a lot of fiber, right? And I was young too, right? So I was mm-hmm. having like crazy constipation and nothing would help. And the Aleve liquid gels that I was taking during period week, I was taking about like 16 to 18 a day. Wow. No one should be doing that. Mm -mm. No one should be taking that much ibuprofen. That is not the way that you deal with that. I actually can't take Advil anymore. I have a horrible reaction to it now when I take it. Same. My body just can't tolerate it. And so I was like, this can't be like, it doesn't make sense. I'm taking 16 to 18 Advil liquid gels a day every single day of period week, which could be seven to 10 days for me. So I'm in college. I'm just trying to get through college. There were so many instances where I like bled through my clothes. I almost missed finals and it it was awful. And that's what I was the most concerned about was I was the first in my family to go to college. I was the first one to navigate the college system to begin with. And there was all this pressure on me because I was the first, right? Mm -hmm. And I was worthy as long as I was in school and working. As long as my body was producing something, I was worthy. And I was living out everybody's dreams of why they hid underneath crates in a truck and crossed the border of why my grandmother got student visas for her daughters to come here, right? But none of them went to college, none of them had the opportunity, none of them spoke English, but Natalie had the pressure of going to school and and becoming something, right? Doing something, bringing the family honor, that's what people love that movie. Um, I think it's called the Encanto from Disney. Yes. It it gives me like instant PTSD. <laughs> like, <laughs> because that's what, you know, it, it's cliche, but I was like, oh God. I was like, you know, this is my life. <laughs> um, it's it's hard. It's hard to to be the first. And I'm and I'm the first and I'm the oldest of 24 cousins. So Holy I'm not gosh. only an example to my sister, but I'm an example to 23 other kids. It was a nightmare. So that's all I cared about. I didn't care about me hurting because my mother worked. She was a single mom. She worked 70 hour shifts a week. I never heard a complaint about pain or being tired. She came home, cooked dinner, made sure we had food if she was going to work on the weekends and clean the house and did what she had to do. I, I never heard a complaint. My grandmother worked standing at a factory also 60 to 70 hours a week making sweaters. I never heard a complain. My father used his body to work Still to this day, he's a busboy at a restaurant and is on his feet all day. So don't hear him complain about it. And Mm. so for me to complain about pain to my family was ridiculous. Like how, how dare I, when I have all this privilege and all this opportunity that they didn't have. So I didn't really talk too much about how the pain was affecting me. And I didn't really ever want to talk about it because I didn't want to be seen as weak. Because if I can't tolerate my pain then I'm weak of character. I'm weak as a person. Right. And I'm not worth anything. My parents have been through so much worse than I. How dare I? You mm-hmm. know, that's that's how I felt. 
And so I wanted an answer to the pain just so that I could continue being worthy. Mm. And the second gynecologist, so actually third. So now I'm on my third gynecologist and I'm telling her about the pain. And she's like, again, normal, normal to bleed for seven to 10 days, normal to bleed through your clothes, normal to be debilitatingly in pain, normal to faint. Okay, fine. I wait a few more months. The pain's just getting worse. I end up in the ER because I have a, I felt like somebody harpooned me through my abdomen. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to die. And that's the only reason I went to the ER. I'm sure going to school and working <laughs> didn't help the, the toll on my body. But it was, I remember it was the first time thinking like, oh, this is a nice break. I get to sit in a hospital bed overnight and I get to call out of work with an excuse. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, they didn't even do a sonogram. I'm complaining about abdomen pain. And they're like, you're on your period. It's just period cramps. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, and again, I'm weak. That's what it is. Like, I'm so, I'm so weak. I go to my fourth gynecologist and she says to me, I remember she was like, I think you have GI issues. You should go see a gastroenterologist. Clearly that's what this is. Right. And so I'm like, okay. So I go to a gastroenterologist. They do the whole, the whole bit. I'm 20 years old. <laughs> I get an endoscopy done. Uh, not a colonoscopy yet, but the, the gastroenterologist was like, I don't see anything wrong. And so I wait a few more months and I go see a gynecologist again, because now I'm in pain three weeks out of the month. If I work out, it gets worse. And my constipation is extremely painful. Just going to the bathroom will make me want to faint because, you know, something right. coming out of me just felt like I was going to die. At that point, I had started Googling my symptoms. And that was the first time I saw endometriosis. And it's funny because I'm new to the advocacy online space as a contributor. Right. But I've been Googling my symptoms. I'm, if I'm 35 tomorrow and I was 20 when I when I first found the word, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, all right. Like I've been watching the, the social media space for a long time. Not as long as some of our other amazing advocates that talk about being in AOL chat rooms about it. Right. But I found endometriosis and I was like, okay, I have a lot of these symptoms. But when I saw the causes for it, I remember distinctly reading that it could be because of STDs. Really? And I was so embarrassed. Oh, yeah. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And I was like, oh, my God, if I hope I don't have this because if somebody Googles this, they're going to see STDs. And I was like a virgin when I met my then boyfriend. And what are people going to think about me? And I remember that being one of the reasons, right? I, and I remember it saying that it only happened to women over 35 years old. But I still took a chance. So I went to go see my now fifth gynecologist. And I said, listen, I, I got, I went to gastro, no symptom. He says there's nothing wrong. I, I think I might have endometriosis. She literally looks at me and goes, where did you learn that word? And I said, online. And she was like, please don't doctor Google me. She was like, you don't have endometriosis. Older women get endometriosis. You're way too young. And she was like, your symptoms are normal. And so I was just like, and and all these people prescribe birth control, right? Right. For what reason? I have no idea. I felt defeated. I felt a little crazy. I was just like, I'm not a liar. Like I I don't do things for attention. I, I just felt so defeated and I just didn't know what I, what to do. And the symptoms were just getting worse. Then I, I found a PCP, a primary care physician. And I tell him, I'm like, listen, I went to five gynecologists. They all say that I don't have anything gynecological wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, it's not gastro because he was an internist. 
And he was like, I think this is gynecological. And he was like, I think you should go for one more opinion. And I'm like, a seventh one? <laughs> like That's a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> Or eighth opinion, you know, yeah. and um, I'm telling my best friend about it. And she's like, you know, my family gynecologist is really nice. You should go see him. And I didn't want to go see a man, but I was desperate. So I was like, all right, let me just make an appointment and, let, and let's just see what he says. If, if this doctor says that it's all in my head and this is normal, I'm going to stop looking for an answer uh, because I had also had sonograms done and all that kind of stuff. Right. Intravaginal sonograms were excruciating. Exams were excruciating. Right. But that was normal. I kept being told that that was normal. So I go see this doctor. I love him so much. He's a great gynecologist, not an endometriosis expert, though. (laughs) And he was just so sweet, so gentle, asked me for consent the whole way through, which I had never experienced yet. And I didn't say a word. I didn't say what I thought I had. I didn't. I just told him my symptoms. He did a pelvic exam asked me if it hurt, you know, was asking me certain questions, very quick examination. He takes me into his office and he looks at me and, um, you know, New York city is like, so full of different people from different places, different cultures. So where I grew up, we grew up with a lot of Arab descent friends. So Habibi means my love in Arabic. And he looks at me in my eyes and with the, with just the most compassion, sympathy in his voice He says, Habibi, I'm very sorry, but I think you have a condition called endometriosis. And I was like, oh my God, he said it. I didn't say it. And he says to me, there's, there's no cure for this. He's like, you're most likely going to be infertile by the time you're 30. And he is like, you should think about having kids as soon as you can. And then we're going to do a hysterectomy. He's like, all I can do for you for now is we're going to do a laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in, I'm going to burn it and see what state you're in. And then after that, he's like, I'm going to put you in birth control. And then we'll just see until you have kids so I can do a hysterectomy. I was 21 at this point. I had turned 21 finally. That was just a lot to reckon with. Yes. I didn't know if I wanted kids. Yes. I had career goals. I still had to finish college. Like I didn't know what to do. And everyone was telling me not to do the surgery, but I did it because I was like, at the very least, you're going to go in and either see something or not. Right. And he did. He went in. He got a biopsy. It was endometriosis. He did ablation surgery. And I didn't know how hard the recovery was going to be. So I ended up failing that semester of college because I was told I was going to be fine after two weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I was in so much pain. Yeah. I needed physical therapy. Like I was not okay. And I worked at like a pharmacy. They call them Dwayne Reed here, which is like a Rite Aid or a Walgreens or whatever. I couldn't lift the boxes or do the stocking stuff. I had to, I had to then quit that job, which I'm glad I did go to because that's where I met my husband. But um, <laughs> hindsight's 2020, um, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It's and and so it was just like again, I was just like, I'm so weak. Like I, I couldn't even mm. handle this like little surgery where they did nothing, right? And I got put on birth control, and I just took it because I had to. Did that help with and, symptoms and though? Was, so it did. Okay, for me, it absolutely helped with symptoms in the beginning. I was on. I forgot what it, I don't know what it's called now. Low estrin, menastrin. It's like a very low dose mm-hmm. uh, birth control, but it, d- it did help with symptoms. And the ablation, I would say, helped with symptoms for like three months. Mm-hmm. And then the pain came back. Everything came back. And he was just like, I did all I could do. He was like, I don't want to do a hysterectomy now. You're too young. This is just going to be your life. You're just going to have to live in pain. And, you know, they prescribed me opioids. I, I went to the ER a few times. I remember the first time I got injected with morphine and they didn't tell me that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I freaked the hell out in the ER. <laughs> and the nurse came over to me and she's like, you've never been high before? And I was like, what? No. no. I, was like, 
I was like, I, do people enjoy this? I'm like, I feel like I'm going to die. And, and she was, she was laughing. I was not. Um, it's funny to laugh at um, now when you think about it. But back then you're like, why is this necessary? Like, why would you just do something yeah, I, to someone? Without telling me. And and the, and the worst part was the endometriosis pain didn't go away, but I was absolutely high off of morphine. So maybe <laughs> it wasn't as bad. I don't know. Um, so, so I was like high and in pain and you know they gave me op- opioids but like at the time we were starting to learn about the opioid crisis and I was mm-hmm. I was terrified to take them and when I did take them oh my god I have the worst reaction to opioids I don't know what it is mm-hmm. they just immediately constipate me and it's just the worst thing ever so I actually still have the opioids from my excision surgery from 2019 in my medicine cabinet I don't know like as a souvenir like I have no <laughs> idea and that's not to say that if you take opioids, I mean anything by it. It's just for me personally, they just never did anything besides make me loopy and right. still be in pain. At what point did you get to the right doctor? Like what led you to that point of saying, I can't take yeah, it enough? So then like I got diagnosed, felt a little bit better for a little bit of time. And then everything just compounded on me. Like every year, the symptoms would get worse every year. And it's amazing how much you get used to, mm-hmm. how much pain and discomfort you get used to, because I was just like, this is, this is just what it is. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. eating healthy enough. I'm not exercising enough. I'm mm-hmm. not doing enough of, of, I'm not doing enough of something. It's my fault that I don't right. feel good. And I had a partner who also didn't understand and we didn't understand endometriosis. Nobody told no you one. that it was a full body disease. Nobody told you that it was chronic fatigue. Nobody explained that it could cause pelvic floor dysfunction. And that was another thing that drove me crazy. I was complaining about abdominal pelvic pain to my gynecologist nonstop for years, to my PCP nonstop for years. And no one, not a single person was like, your pelvic area hurts. You should see a pelvic floor therapist. Not a single person. I didn't even hear about it until after my excision. So I was very lucky that you know, Sally was my fi- my first pelvic floor therapist. Come on. How did but you that- get like the most world renowned PT for <laughs> pelvic floor on the first try? No, se- no, seriously. So um, amazing. So I got diagnosed in 2010. I was like in all these Facebook groups for years. I remember just like hating being in them because people would just be like, my husband's going to leave me if I don't have sex with him. My husband's going to leave me because I can't get pregnant. Like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm a failure. And that was all that the conversations were about. And like, I wasn't even thinking about that. I just wanted a solution. So mm-hmm. I was vegan. I was whole 30. I did every diet you can imagine. Anti-inflammatory. I exercise and exercise and exercise. Like right. hit had taken over everything. So I was doing high intensity <laughs> interval training. Everything. I could jump. I could, I could probably slam dunk at one point because of how high I could jump. For what reason? <laughs> oh, was I doing that? I don't know. I, don't know. It's not I fun. could run. <laughs> yeah. I was running. I was rowing. Again, with pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And the first sign should have been when I like snapped my IT band, it didn't tear, but I bruised it so bad. My thigh was like five times its size in purple. I got an MRI done and I had to go to physical therapy. While I'm in physical therapy for the rehabilitation of my IT band, I'm telling the therapist that I have endometriosis. I'm telling her about all this horrific pelvic pain. And she's, and I'm like, is there any correlation between like what happened to me and, and endometriosis? And she was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't affect it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then come 2017, my symptoms are now 24 seven. Every single day I'm in pain. Every single day it hurts. Every single day I have tension. Sex is painful. 
I'm constipated constantly. I faint from being constipated. Like I could literally feel as the bowel movement was happening. It would be so excruciating. One time I passed out, I remember, I, I, I always joke, like I became like an expert fainter. I could feel when, when it was coming and I would just get down so that I could just like lay down and not like fall dramatically because I didn't want to inconvenience anybody. I passed out at the subway entrance once. And I remember waking up like 30 minutes later and thank God, like I was fine. But like in typical New York fashion, no one helped me. And I just got up and I went to work. Oh my God. That, that, was, just, <laughs> that was just my life. Colorado, um, everyone would be around you. Everyone from like three states over would be right there <laughs> to make sure that that we also hold the door for each other. I know that that's not common in New York, but here we hold the door for each other. No, I've been so I've been to other states, and when people are like really nice, I'm just like, "What do you want from me? Right? Like, what do you, <laughs> what? What's up? You what? know, it's very New yeah. York of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I was still trying to finish college because I had another semester that I failed because I was like in such horrible condition, mm-hmm. and I was so embarrassed about it then. And I was like, I don't know how anybody finishes anything with endometriosis, to be honest. So 2017, 2018. I'm in one of these groups and somebody is like, I hate Nancy. Nancy's the worst. She kicked me out of the group. <laughs> right? And so all these women are like, Nancy's the worst. Da, da, da. I hate that group. And I'm like, what group are they talking about? Right. Yeah. So I asked, I was like, what group are you guys talking about? And then, and then I, I found it. Nancy's nook, endometriosis care and education. Right. So I go and I'm like, what the F? What is this secret underground patient led, you know, and I'm reading about Dr. Redwine and I'm reading about Nancy and I'm doing the education module and I'm reading all these stories about excision. And I'm like, this is what I have. Like, I'm going to do this. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes the endo can just like dip, go high and low. And so then like I would have periods where I would feel a little better. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's not that bad. And then it would get worse, right? And even though I educated myself so much through mm-hmm. Nancy's Nook, I still didn't really understand what the endometriosis was doing. Mm-hmm. So 2019, I'm doing HIT again. I'm doing high intensity interval workouts, working out all the time, disordered eating, all that stuff, right? Because I'm still blaming myself for all this pain and discomfort and exhaustion. And my now husband, at the time, my boyfriend picks me up, we go on a date. We do one of those painting wine things. We walk out and I swear it felt like something just fell out of my vagina. I tell him we have to go home now. I freak out. We were supposed to go to dinner. We go home and I have him check. I'm like, do you see anything coming out out of it? And he was like, no, I don't see anything, but I feel it. I feel that something's coming out of, out of me. I go to my gynecologist, the original one. I'm still seeing him, right? So I got diagnosed in 2010. I'm still seeing him 2019. He was like, you have uterine prolapse. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, he was like, I, I can't believe it. He's because he was an OBGYN. So he delivered like a million babies and had all his clients had kids. And he was like, I've never seen this in a woman your age that hasn't birthed before, but you, you have prolapse. I'm so sorry. And he's like, I told you, he's like, what are you waiting for? You have to get pregnant. I just turned 30. And he's like, you have to get pregnant. Like, I don't know what you're waiting for. I have to take the, the uterus out. And he's like, and if you don't want to take it out, I'm going to have to stitch it so that it can stop from falling. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain, like, I'm telling it like nonchalant, but like when I was told that I had to have a hysterectomy when I was 21, tell, like, getting this news now, every time you get news of like something new, it was just devastating. Because I had just met my now husband, we were embarking on this new life. And now I have, I'm 29 years old with prolapse. Like, are you kidding me? 30 years old with prolapse? I was like, well, well, what can help it? And he was like, well, 
start doing Kegels. He's like, buy weights off of Amazon and start doing Kegels. That's really the best that you could do. So I go home, order it from Intimate Rose. I order the Kegel set. Little did I know how much Intimate Rose would play a part of my life for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that I would meet Amanda Olson. I start doing the Kegels and I started having excruciating pain. And the HIIT workouts were worse than ever. Like it was awful. So I'm Googling what helps prolapse. And it says pelvic floor therapist. Never heard of this in my life. I go to Nancy's Nook, I type in pelvic floor therapist, and I start reading all these posts from Sally. And I go to her page, and she has all these live videos that Mm -hmm. she's recorded and left on the Facebook. And she's talking about endometriosis and how it causes constipation. That was the first video I saw. She had like, it was like a poop one. And I was like, Oh my God, I have all those symptoms. And I'm, and then I started watching all of her videos and I reached out to her. I still have the email in my inbox and I'm like, hi, doc- hi, Dr. Sally, I got diagnosed and in 2010 and they're saying that I have prolapse, you know, and immediately she responds. She was like, I don't think it's prolapse. She was like, come see me. I have an opening next week. Endometriosis causes, can cause a lot of things. Just, just come see me. And I tell my, my husband, I'm like, oh my God, I found this woman who like knows about endometriosis and she's going to help me. So he comes with me to the appointment and I'll never forget. I'm laying on the table. I meet Sally, who just is like straight to business, right? I love straight, Sally. Straight to business. Hi, <laughs> nice to meet you. And she's just so sweet and comforting. And she's she's just like telling me, do you have these symptoms? And she's describing my life. Like she's describing everything I've ever been through and the symptoms that I'm having. And I'm telling her about the pain that I'm having. And I brought a chart. I listed all my symptoms. I drew X's where I had pain. And so she laughed because she like picks up the paper and she was like the little X's that you traced. She was like, I don't know if you know this, but that's your genital femoral nerve that you mapped out on yourself. And so I was like, yes, I'm like, I always have ovary and uterus pain. And she was like, it's not your ovary, it's not your uterus. She's like, it's your bladder that's hurting that you think is your uterus. And that ovary pain that you're saying, she was like, I think you have nerve compression. And so she's like touching me, whatever. And she was like, I think you have inguinal hernias pressing your inguinal nerve. That's that ovary pain on both sides. And I'm like, hernias? How? Why? Like, you know, because right. what you think of is like intestines falling out of like a hole. But I'm just like, there's no way that I would have that. I would know, right? right. Like somebody would have seen it on the million scans that I had. I had a colonoscopy that year <laughs> because I was still trying to find answers to my constipation. Again, gastroenterologist, quote, beautiful colon end quote. And so she's like doing her thing. And then she has me stand up and she calls it the Captain Morgan pose. And I put my leg up on the thing. She does what she has to do. And she's like, cough into cough. And she's like, you don't have prolapse. She was like, you have a severely hypertonic pelvic floor. She was like, you are extremely tense. And she was like, what have you been doing? And I was like, well, I do high intensity interval workouts and Kegels. And she was like, stop doing Kegels immediately. You need loosening, not tightening. And that's when I started learning about the pelvic floor. Natalie's story isn't over quite yet. It's just starting to get really good. So join us next week as Natalie continues talking about the ways that she has overcome all the challenges that she's faced in her journey. You won't want to miss it. And until next time, continue advocating for you and for those that you love. Thank you.